Welcome back to Stories Out of Time and Space. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and I, as always, I'm joined by Julian Darius. And uh, this is going to be a rip-roaring show, because who do you love? That's right, you love us. Uh, we're jumping into an alternate dystopian future, and another... As you know, have we done Arnie before? I'm trying to think what we've done. I don't know if we've done an Arnie. I um, don't know either. No. This may be our first Arnie. We are doing The Running Man from 1987. Um, I'm going to quickly run through the cast because the cast actually is quite interesting because I'm going to mention them. We've got uh, Arnold, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Maria Conchita Alonso, Yafet Koto, who I actually kind of like seeing, uh, Jesse Ventura, and I'm trying to sort of uh, bring up Prof- um, Professor Toro Tanaka, who I always like mm. talking about, uh, Fleetwood Mac, <laughs> just throwing the weird ones out here. Uh, and Richard Dawson is an interesting uh, uh, addition to the cast as well as Damien, Damon Killian. Um, I always want to say that I love the fact that they got an actor slash game show host to play this mm. vile sort of slimy, smarmy game show host. So it was a great stroke of genius. Um, and he's great in the role. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic. He's absolutely wonderful as Killian. Um, this was written by... Uh, Stephen uh, E. D'Souza, um, based on the novel or sort of novella written by Stephen King under the name Richard Bachman, uh, The Running Man, and it was directed by Paul Michael Glazer, better known as Starsky, out of Starsky and Hutch. Um, a couple of points I just want to highlight on that. So Star- he hit, Paul Michael Glazer was brought in uh, as a replacement uh, when the first director, whose name I forget, um, got a week over schedule, uh, week behind schedule within the first week, um, and so yeah, they kicked him off and brought in Paul Michael Glazer, and Arnie was not happy because um, he had they, they had this idea of what the film was going to be, um, and how it was all going to look, and how it was going to have sort of like um, way darker sort of um, commentary and, and sort of all these bits and pieces, probably a lot closer to RoboCop mm. um, that came out the same year. Um, but Paul Michael Glazer wanted to lean into the action and some of the uh, visuals a bit more. And so and Arnie was a bit less pleased. He wanted this to be a bit more of a serious film. He was trying to sort of, you know, do some serious sci-fi, I think, that uh, um, away from um, the stuff he'd done before. So... There was some d- d- disputes about it on set. Yeah, apparently Andrew Davis was the director That's who was it. fired. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think there are remnants of that Robocop mm. dynamic. You definitely feel, but it's uh, a very inconsistent film. I think from start to finish, it, yes, um, it has those Robocop moments that are really fun mm. and definitely feel 
you know, very RoboCop. Um, there are there's a lot of Verhoeven touches in this, um, but then but then there's stuff that feels like this is a straight up action movie, you know, um, that sort of hasn't found its feet yet. Yeah, I agree. It's it's sort of um, it wants to be that dark dystopian um, science fiction film, but it also wants to be a big Arnie hit. Um, you know, sort of following up on Commander that came up sort of, you know, in 85. Um, and obviously Predator came out the same year as this as well. And so, yeah, Arnie was looking to try and do something different. But um, I don't know, yeah. You, I've read the novel. I should sort of highlight that sort of the novel is very different to this. Um, it's very... it's <laughs> The novel is incredibly dark. Um, ben Richards is probably described in Sean. Uh, so um, Stephen King de- described him. if he was to cast him, it would have been Michael Bean. Yeah, uh, would be sort of his Ben Richards, um, and it's 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 more a case of a person is let out into the world. They they are literally just let off, and the idea is that they have to stay. The longer they stay out, the more they win, the more money they win, and the basically mm. like as a, as a viewer, you if you see them, you can sort of um, uh, ring in or call in or send in information, and sort of like then the the stalkers, whatever, sit similar things, are sent out to track them down, and that's the sort of the show, and the the that's runners, cool. yeah, the runners have to send in a, a video diary every week, and um, in, in the book, like they start, Ben's Richard starts off kind of serious. He starts sort of like saying um, about how disgusted he is about the system, and then by like the fourth week, it's just he just sits in front of the camera with a pillow over his pillowcase over his head, just what you know, because all he's got to do is send in a video. He's never told to do content, so he's just there to make it as boring as possible because he realizes that by being angry, he's given them what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and all this element of lying about them twisting in the film, are they sort of twist? The narrative and told false lies or thing that's all actually in the book um and uh you find out that what happens to his wife and he he, he doesn't bring down the network in a in a, a, a similarly heroic way but it ends in a yeah um it ends it, it's, it's very good i really love the book and i haven't read it for a while so i might actually end up reading it again next year but um there's there's a there's a great film there to have but i like the fact that this does lean into that sort of um verhoven s thing with the sort of the adverts and the the other tv shows and and the way that sort of people are treated on screen and stuff yeah and, and those ad the advertisements the other tv shows the, and, and this sort of like over the top uh aspects of it i mean these are all i think the best parts right yeah i mean i i was looking at um you know like uh, stuff in the background and, and there's a there's a poster for the hate boat yeah um you know just like it's not very clever, but it's fun, you know. It's very proto Verhoeven, you know. Hmm. Um, you know, and I think, I mean, so to me, what I remember about the Running Man is obviously, you know, Schwarzenegger running. Um, and and maybe someday we'll get the uh, proper adaptation, right? A more faithful adaptation. Hmm. It'll probably happen one of these days. Um, but I remember, you know, the sort of like this was a time where we didn't have a lot of superhero movies and we've yep. got like, you know, sub zero, not three mortal combat, you know, mm-hmm. like we've got guys in costume who look silly, 
but who have gimmicks, crazy, stupid gimmicks, you know, with like a car that they're driving and stuff and, you know, an exploding puck for you know like i mean it's all totally over the top it's campy but in this violent way um and schwarzenegger is just out flat out killing people you know in this campy environment which is again very robocop very you know total recall later um this is still sort of that early arnie stage Mm -hmm. where it still feels like it's not quite the classic arnold schwarzenegger that i love but it's a lot closer than like Commando, which just feels like, you know, a, a, such a rough draft. Um, but anyway, my point is like, I remember all that stuff. And you think in a movie that has that, where that's clearly the selling point mm-hmm. is, you know, this whole thing is a gimmick to get Arnold in a situation where you just throw supervillains at him, basically. Yeah. Um, why is there 30 minutes before that that it's like the most confusing 30 minutes I've ever seen in a movie that doesn't involve time travel? Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that because I've thought of this in the past about the sort of the structure of this film. Um, and it is determined to do several things. Um, and so I and I, cause I have thought about this before because yeah the, the, the you say the gimmick the point of this film is the running section is the game show, which is really only really the last sort of third it becomes, you know the, not so much the climax but it's sort of you know the, there's a there's a short middle bit, on the run and then being you know taken then it sort of kicks off, all this from it should really like I say should be compacted but, they have several things that they want to do, you have. The butcher field, the uh, the Bakersfield, sorry, massacre at the start of the film. So you are putting everything into context about who Arnie is and that he's actually the good guy. And although he's a cop, whatever, he's the good guy. You then get the escape um, for two reasons. The escape, again, is to show how skilled he is. You know, they're looking to show that he can handle a gun and handle himself. And also you want the scene where he's hot, he's carrying a girder around. <laughs> they're like, right, he's going to be in a latex suit, or a latex, sort of like a spandex suit for most of this. We need to get the muscles really on show. So let's have him carrying an iron girder around. It worked pretty well for the start of Commando. Um, and like I say, they're looking for him to be fighty, fighty Arnie at the start of the film. Um, because it's an Arnie film, and I think this is what the, this is the point, isn't it? And then you've got um, they then they sort of get into the plot, you know, about how they sort of fuel the um, the show. Because um, in I, the I, I had thought about like they need to introduce those two other guys, you know, oh. uh, and, and the girl, right? I mean, you know, for them to be in the plot later. But you're telling me that like getting Arnold to show his muscles was you know as as important oh 100 100 like that's the reason like if you see arnie at this period in his career um his selling point is his body i mean that's the thing isn't it? like you've seen if you're if the opening of commando uh, for arnie in, arnie's introduced carrying a tree <laughs> like a massive yeah. tree beyond that you've got um at the same year you have predator which came out just before this um and it has the sort of the major scene is him and Carl Weathers sort of doing the in the air arm wrestle where it's all bulging biceps and it's all, you know, major testosterone and stuff. If they'd have kept his physique and everything 
hidden in this. Because don't forget, there's a line in this that Killian actually says. He says, oh, "I'll get a you know a ratings boost. We will get at least four points for each of the biceps, kind of thing." Like, yeah, they're clearly building on the fact that he's such a big guy. But then when he gets on the yellow and blue suit, like it's all kind of hidden because <laughs> it's also in the suit. So it's totally there. That's the that's the selling point is the arniness of this, um, which is why well, I think it's changed. I still don't really understand this. I mean, and I looked hmm. and it was like around 30 minutes where he is being, you know, walked to the running man set, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, clocks in at like around an hour and a half. So, you know, like basically that whole first act, which, as you say, has two whole parts to it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it strikes me as entirely unnecessary. Um, you could change his costume. I know, I mean, it's early in the episode for us to be doing our rewriting thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, but, you know, if you want him to show off his physique, change the spandex costume and say, oh, no, it ripped, you know, like, yeah, or arms out. bind a wound, <laughs> bind a wound that tears the shirt off, you know, like, I'll save you. It binds a wound, you know. Yeah. I can't do the accent. Um, <laughs> and, and then, you know, oh, you know, ripping those muscles. Um, yeah. 100%. So, I mean, 100%, 100% that's oh, no, no, I agree. The, um, the, other thing, the other thing I totally do not understand is the massacre at the beginning. Um, and besides, this dystopian state is like the most incompetent, dysfunctional dystopian state I've ever seen on film. Um, the massacre, you know, it's like, I like I like that it lies and whatever, but it's just like yeah, kill those civilians. You know, we'll just lie about it later. Like there's no attempt to even contact the victim of his yeah. you know attempt to yeah. flee well, to like get the story straight. Like don't tell anyone. You know, she's just like got to find it out on TV. I mean, okay, so I'm I'm nitpicking, but that whole massacre you're gonna show two more times mm-hmm. in the movie. Just don't show it. Start us off with the Running Man. And we don't know if he's guilty or not, but then, you know, I know what you're saying. Like we want Arnold to be the hero. So yeah. they don't want to do that and have the revelation. Like, no, I really was innocent. Well, this is still the, the, the other thing to highlight as well is um, this is only really, you know, I mean, he'd done raw deal, which is a, a dreadful film, but like of his big hits, this is only his like fourth. Well, he's doing Conan, but moving away from fantasy, like he then done the Terminator, and he was so determined to not be seen as the villain. Um, I'm not saying it was in his contract, but he was like, "No, I've got to be shown as the hero. That's what I want to be. That's I've got to be." I used that superhero character. I mean, you see this with other, you know, action stars that are always doing this, where they've got to be seen a specific way. And it's not until later in their career where they feel comfortable. They're like, "Oh no, I can do something a bit more nuanced or complex, or I can play the baddie or whatever." Now. Uh, and Arnie was very much in this period. It's like, oh no, I've got to be the biggest star, and you be you be the biggest star by being the biggest hero. Um, and you're right, but the, 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 and then also the satire, or the, the the some of the messaging in this film isn't subtle. Like, yeah, like, you know, the media lies is is basically a message that this is going to smash you in the face with repeatedly. Um, but see, it feels prescient. I mean, some of this feels really sort of like, you know, it shows us sort of how long sort of like that mistrust of news media and entertainment media has been about. This film's 87, and it still feels like this film is is, is saying something now. Um, but, I, I, yeah, it feeds that narrative. However, I also think there's little bits that are kind of 
funny. Whether they're clever is a different story. But like this whole thing about you've said it before about uh, what do they call it? Circuses and um, bread and circuses. Bread and circuses. Like that's yeah. the whole point. Yeah, that's explicit it? here. Yeah, like they actually say they yeah. literally say it. Like yeah. if you want them, you want me. You know, Killian actually has this conversation with the State Department saying that well, if you want them distracted and watching television, you give me these people. Um, and so I like that that it is actually like it's you know almost literal, but you also get instead of getting like a state um, or like a you know what do they call it like a state attorney, um, mm. he gets a yeah. state a, a state appointed um, agent. It, yeah, yeah, I thought that was clever. Yeah, so there's little bits in like that that I think are kind of funny. That sort of like, and it's you know, it's all part. But again, you don't get to see the wider world. We don't really know the difference between the haves and have-nots. Like you see these sort of things. Um, but you know, when we've said this about other these other, this is the problem with a lot of dystopian things. It sort of tells you just enough for you to be interested, but then doesn't expand for you to be able to sort of go, oh, okay, actually, on the whole, this is really bad, or you know, actually, it's working. Like. You know what is it that the state, the state department, and the government are actually doing that they don't want people to know about? But well, in terms of how this is prescient, I mean, I think the rise of reality TV, yeah, right, and this is not the first movie to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, obviously that is prescient, and then you know, the haves and have-nots, right? The sort of disparity between food riots. And people living comfortably in skyscrapers, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they could do more of that, right? We never have a, if this is an upstairs, downstairs movie, we never have the downstairs, right? Um, but except shooting them from above, right? Literally. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we know, so we never really get the downstairs. But, and, and a little bit of that would have helped us to understand why the rebels are fighting so much. But, you know, uh, having said that, that's okay. I don't think this is meant to be a big social commentary. Mm. It has those things. I think the media lies stuff can be clever, but it also, you know, I mean, we're in a sort of like post-QAnon environment where I'm like, yeah, the government lies about stuff. I mean, you know, the U.S., if the U.S. reports uh, what happened in a uh, military maneuver or the police report what happens in a police encounter – there's a decent chance. There's a solid fifty percent chance. There's that's a lie, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know that's very different from like civilian government ministers just whole scale making stuff up and saying a terrorist attack never happened, and you know this kind of stuff that you see in movies sometimes, and you think, you know, oh, it was a gas leak. They saw. Cobra Commander going through <laughs> yeah. the streets, you know, like I yeah. don't think well, anyone's going to buy this. Don't forget, in this, they don't deny the attack. The attack happened. Mm. It's who they're blaming for it. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, that's the thing. And again, but then you're like, you're like, right. Well, why you have to do this? Because that sounds like you know it's a bad thing, mm. but you're looking for a scapegoat. And so, like you know, Ben Richards becomes that scapegoat. Um, I did think of the the Milan massacre, and you know, mm. you know, and the, uh, to give the point, the film uh, some points. It is true that when we have covered up massacres, routinely the person who uh, ratted out the massacre, <laughs> uh, you know, or the person who filmed the cops, you know, is the one who gets the worst sentence than the yeah. people doing the massacre. 
and that happens again and again over here. Um, and, and there may have been, especially given the year, there may have been some post-Vietnam uh, Ming Lai sort of uh, thought to this massacre. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a, you know, that's clearly there as a, um, a point they're trying to make, isn't it? That sort of like, the 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 film goes to the extreme. I mean, the film sort of is it's it's camp in that truest sense of the word. In that, like, it knows it's a, it's silly and sort of embraces that silliness, um, but isn't entirely. One of the things I think this comes uh, from the direction in some cases that there is some performances in this, including like Richard, uh, yeah, Richard Dawson and Arnie, but also like Jesse Ventura. Um, You've got like Dynamo, you know, sort of like singing opera and all glowing and other stuff. And it's all very camp. It knows what it is. I mean, this is the this is the eighty seven. You know, this is the era of Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior mm-hmm. in the WWF. I, you know, as American Gladiators started at this point. You know, this is no, no. I, I loved American Gladiators, but that was, uh, in fact, sold based on footage from this movie and the idea. <laughs> No, seriously, the people sold it to the network going like, you know, uh, the running man, we're going to do that, but not with murder. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they made American Gladiator. Wow. Yeah. An, an excellent um, legacy uh, for this yes. film. Um, I think so, too. But but it shows. I mean, that's the thing. It shows that there's that this has tapped into something that, like, you know, we're looking for that camp, uh, that sign of entertainment. But, like, you know, and as I've said about sort of, you know, this is the idea of Hulk Hogan and, and you know, obviously uh, this has got Toro Tanaka who was a wrestler, you know, in this and it sort of fits into all that kind of show and pomp and pageantry. However, the direction often feels really flat to me. Like at no mm-hmm. point does it ever feel like, this is the kind of thing where I'll be expecting, you know, if you had like a really sort of like, um, you and I have, Different. Oh, well, we have an opinion of like Michael Bay and and Zack Snyder. These sort of very sort of visual storytellers. That sort of the story is not always strong, and some you know, so whatever. But like they'll give you something. There'll be a visual flair or something that will they'll you know they're known for. This never really has that. It just feels very sort of like yeah. It feels like we're filming something in a studio. Like it. it yeah, you're right about that. It um, does feel oddly contained yes it never feels expansive or anything like and even some of the sets you get like you know when they're out in the in the the zone or whatever you know when they're in sort of sub-zero's um ice hockey area and those other things like i don't know it just feels like the, the shots feel very sort of like here 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 i mean at one yeah. point one of the things i was curious about is when they go into um sub-zero's ice hockey area i think it's in there you see all these lights, you know, elevated and twisting around on these big, and the, but next mm-hmm. to the lights is a seating area where it clearly is for a technician at some point in, you know, in eighties technology. So I'm thinking like, you've got all this on set, this big lighting rig that does all this other stuff. Cool. Attach a camera to it and do something cool with it. Like, you know, everything's very static and very, I've stuck the camera here. I've stuck the camera here. Like it never feels like anything's yeah, moving. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Show us the footage that they would be seeing from these dynamic angles, right? Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and so the film itself feels kind of flat at times, which is, is I've always sort of felt that. Um, uh, but and that, that's I think that's down to Paul Michael Grazer. Like I don't think he is, you know, he's, he's not like an auteur. He feels like sounds like a bit of a. He's an actor that did did directing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just feels like an odd one. This is another one where, like, if you handed this to a Verhoeven, oh yeah, like you know, you, you know, this this is a sort of a. This could have been a step between. Well, this came out the same year as Robocop, but like this is a step between Robocop and and uh, Star, Star, Starship Troopers. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think this, this, there's a better version of this movie that is more sort of Robocop Total Recall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but what I like about this movie is that element. Um, you know, it is the sort of like over the top, it is the remembering that wrestling stuff. Uh, cause I was a fan too. I know you're, you are, you're a bigger fan, but <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I was an 80s kid, and, mm. and I remember the whole Colgan animated series, for God's sake. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, the whole dynamic of the goodies and the baddies and costumes, I mean, it goes back to superheroes, and, you know, um, and, you know, I, I was primed to like this. I love the, it's so classic 80s, the mix of that campiness mm. with violence. Yes. Um, you know, that's so uniquely 80s and, and early 90s um and it's such a wonderful vibe but you know that you know i always come back to like i want like you know that dance number that sort of serves as the transition from the first act to the second act mm. it's so long and terribly choreographed um despite it was apparently paula abdul yes yeah, so it's paula abdul yeah it's terrible yeah. and it, it is really awful um and i mean it looks like did you think Flashdance was too good? You know, like, uh, do you want something super retro, painfully retro, um, and just very repetitive? But anyway, um, it goes on forever. Like, we paid her good money. We're going to show this. <laughs> yeah. that, that should have been, like, the title sequence, you know? And then you get into, you do more of the running man, you know, like, uh, and now these messages, you know, more of that that stuff that you and I like from, from Robocop. Mm. And this is just a brilliant movie that you and I would just be like, this is a classic. It's very close to being that. But Yeah, you know, I agree. Because yeah. um, I think one of the things that's interesting about this is um, there's a confidence going on, I think, with the, with the performers. There's a comfortableness with this. I mean... Um, Richard Dawson as Damon Killian is wonderfully slimy. Um, and, you know, he's the, the, there's a great scene. I really, I really enjoy it. He bumps into a guy who's like a, a janitor who's just doing the mopping mm. and he's able to be all sort of like uh, friendly and stuff like you're doing a great job. You're doing a great, you know, I see every morning you're doing a fantastic job and the guy's like, Oh, thank you very much. And again, the moment he gets in the lift, he's like, if he's still mopping up at the end of the day, you're mopping up for the rest of the week. Like the instant sort of like mm-hmm. uh, two-facedness of it. Like he's brilliant as this character. Like I really enjoy him on screen. And all, all the others, I think, you know, um, forget, like, I always like Yafat Koto. I, I, I think I'm, I'm actually kind of, like, I think he's great when he appears in things. Um, but the guys playing the, the, um, the stalkers, you know, like you say, the, the um, Sub Zero, 
um, Dynamo, Fireball. Buzz, Buzzsaw, Fireball. Like, yeah, they're all great. Fireball probably less so a little bit. He's a bit naff, but like Buzzsaw is clearly my favourite. Um, but again, that going back to that campiness, like someone's told them, like you're going to do this. This is how we're going with this. Like, you know, and I went back to I don't know if I shared it on the show, um, but obviously we mentioned there's a scene at the beginning of this where they're they're, in, they're meeting uh, Buzzsaw at the front of the studio. Um, for the film and he walks in and just sort of slams a guy in the face and the guy's like oh my god he touched me um mm, and yeah and, yeah and that obviously being a, a, a i actually think it wasn't i thought it was greg valentine it wasn't it was harley race that uh, apparently did it um but that being like again back to this wrestling thing of like you know this uh, adulation and, and ideology of of these characters um but they're all having a great whale of a time like it's clear and even yeah. arnie is there's more there's more one-liners and bad puns in this than any of those other Arnie films, you know, sort of like cutting Buzzsaw in two. He had to split and... Um... Yeah, some of, some of them are okay. Some of them are, are painful. <laughs> uh, and, and, but yeah. it, it, you say until, uh, I would say until Batman and Robin. Mm. <laughs> there is a Batman and Robin vibe to this. I agree. And, and I mean that in a good way. I think, I think that's... Uh, I think no, those uh, Schumacher I, I, Batmans are are underrated, uh, and they are what they are. But you know they're not I, great. But I like the they, first they're one. Doing what they're yeah. doing. I like Batman Forever. Can't stand Batman Robin. But again, like Schumacher's a good example. Schumacher would have been great for this. Yes, absolutely. I think Schumacher brings that right level of sort of like camp and would have would have mm-hmm. completely understood what this is, um, and I think would have been fantastic for this. Um, yes. And that's the thing. Like, I keep watching this. And, go, even, and Jesse Ventura is good as well. Like the whole advert at the beginning is Captain Freedom's workout, and it's just him sort of like yeah. people doing something, but him sort of posing. He's like, you know, <laughs> no pain, no gain, ha And it's like doing. Like, I'm loving all that. Like everything that's being done is great. Like I'm really enjoying it. But as you say, it's sort of like we've said this about a couple of things recently. Like there's just a couple of notches away from being mm. like fantastic, sort of satirical. Um, science fiction, like you know, be bloody, be campy, and you know, be cutting. And oh, yeah, you are, you are in the same league as Robocop. No, I agree. Um, you know, like I want to get back to this idea of be bloody, um, yeah. you know, because this movie, you know, can't quite decide what it wants to be. And I think you, you pointed out the sort of tensions between the action and the and the campy Robocop esque mm. farce. Um, you know, or or satire, um, and obviously we both are on the side of the Robocop esque satire. Yeah. Um, you know, so Arnie starts the film, and and you obviously you know the history here. You're quite right. You know, as one needing to be the hero, needing to be like, I'm not going to do that. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, I won't fire on these unarmed civilians. They just want food. Um, this sort of ridiculous, over the top. You know. Uh, shoot those rioters, you know, from, you know, this is not the way despotic regimes work, right? Um, but it, it is this sort of over-the-top thing. Um, and none of that works, but, you know, the point is he he doesn't want to be a hero. He doesn't want to join the underground. Mm. Um, you know, and he's willing to kind of toss around his female hostage a little, <laughs> but, but yeah. not too much, right? Yeah. I mean, he you know he's kind of cruel to her, but not, uh, but not um, 
you know, overly. Um, he still doesn't seem like a villain. And then he spends the rest of the movie slaughtering people comically with no compunction whatsoever. Um, and and I kept thinking, like, you know, you're on camera, mm. clearly grinning uh, side to side as you chainsaw a guy's dick, <laughs> you know? Like... You are not making your case like I'm innocent. Trust me, you know. Yeah. As you as you <laughs> look, do something that would make Jeffrey Dahmer blush. They they tried to draw a line, which I think is quite interesting because it's it's sort of like you know, he chokes out Sub Zero with barbed wire, and you get the first terrible pun. Um, and then obviously he takes on uh, Buzzsaw and cuts him in half. Um, and I get a good pun. I I, I still like it when he says he had to split. Um, but yeah, then you have the thing of Dynamo being trapped in his car, and it's that line of like, "But I won't kill um, a, a you know a helpless human being, no matter you know no matter how awful you are. I won't you know killing Buzzsaw was fine. It was in combat sort of thing. Like it, this is trying to draw that line, and this is interesting because I think. We will come to this again. Um, it was something that I've been thinking about, but it comes up with this. And when we talk about Battle Royale, mm. but there's a lot of sh- films um, that try to sort of have this message of, there was another film that uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin did, which the name of it escaped me right now. Oh, The Condemned. Sorry, it was called The Condemned. It was very much the same as, as like Battle Royale, where people get thrown onto an island and then, you know, uh, the, the last man standing is the winner and so on and so forth, gets their freedom. But it's being betted on and being watched by a bunch of rich, super rich people. And so the message is sort of like, oh, well, this is awful, sort of making people fight against each other and people, the voyeuristic nature of watching violence. But you're also portraying, you're also selling this film on the fact that it's full of violence and that's what people want to see. And that's also this, the, this, the slight problem with this film in that mm-hmm. they're trying to portray this notion of how awful and violent the regime is, yet you've got to show how strong and violent and everything the hero is as well. <laughs> as well. But then you've got to show a line and it's like, say, does that line work or does it well, muddy its own message? Well, that problem, and I think this is a, an important question, right? that problem has two sides. One is character sort of in-universe consistency, yeah. and one is uh, sort of, um, you know, uh, satirical consistency. So, you know, the kind of like meta function. Mm-hmm. So on the satirical meta function, like that's true of Robocop too, right? I mean, like Robocop is, um, you know, uh, satirizing a a violent world, mm. a world in which violence seems out of control, and yet giving you that violence to enjoy, right? I mean, it's true of, you know, I mean, I my theory that, you know, one of the central catharsis that we experience in the horror movie or the serial killer movie is getting to enjoy murdering people. Uh, torturing them and then feeling morally superior from what we are enjoying uh, and feeling glad that the killer got caught at the end and order has been restored. But in fact, we watch that murder sequence. You know, we, we, we in Psycho, we are the murderers, right? We 100%. connected those yeah. shots. You you had something to say? You know, th- This comes down to... Um... 
and you're right about horror films, but also is in action films, specifically certain types of action films, is the sort of the joy to be taken in the act of violence. But it's about who the and again you say about the universe consistency, but it's about the the the, the victim of the violence being worse than the hero in some way i mean this goes back to you know people in the the um um arena with the romans like you know is that we're happy to see these people fight because they're not us and people being stood around and watching an execution like someone hung and then buying pieces of the rope you know money for old rope um that thing of sort of reveling in the violence but it not but feeling morally superior because I haven't committed the act, but also the person mm -hmm. that the act was committed upon was either a terrible person or they're an other or they deserve it or whatever. So you, you can stand right. yourself aside from it. Um, that's enough. That's what they're trying to do with this wholeheartedly. Well, but I think, I think we can make that separation of the, of those two levels. And I think that, you yeah. know, on that meta level, that might be inherent to any sort of, um, you know, depiction of something that's being satirized mm. um, and, and yet is inherently entertaining. Um, I mean, one of my, possibly my favorite film is Natural Born Killers, mm. which is, you know, a brilliant criticism of media culture and violence in the media and the way we make killers into celebrities. And yet you absolutely love the main characters who are killing people in the most entertaining ways possible. Yeah. Um, you know, and that dynamic implicating you and the film in that, you know, is uh, also seems very 80s and 90s to me. Um, you know, we were a little more comfortable with doing that in, you know, sort of Total Recall and, and movies like this. Starship well, Troopers, you know. Yeah, it tailed off in the 90s. I think one, there's, there's two elements to sort of touch on. I think part of it is, uh, for want of a better phrase, the cartooniness of the mm. violence especially if you refer to natural born killers but even this like they are introducing a mm -hmm. cartoon level of violence like to some extent you know like tom and jerry sort of um you know levels where you're sort of like oh it doesn't feel real it's so ridiculous like and that is where you get to the point with like freddy krueger and jason Voorhees and that sort of thing where you're thrilling in the inventiveness of the kills not the violence do you know what i mean yeah, because the moment you make it real, like you know, if it looks too real, everything it 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 people struggle with it because it's a bit too much. Um, so that's the one point is the is the cartooniness nature of it. Um, I forgot what the point I was going to make was now. Um, well, and, and in fact, in my notes, I have you know this one of the best things that can be said about this movie, and especially the stuff that we like, you know, the Running Man sequence of the running man mm. is that it feels like a live action cartoon and yes. frankly not a lot of movies by this time have managed to do that in live action mm. and i think this is this is the thing actually this period sort of like the late 80s and early 90s seemed to embrace something like you say where um we take things a bit too serious now and so if you're gonna you know they feel like, oh if you're gonna make a live action cartoon it's got to be um, you know, you've got to elevate it and do this and do that with it. And I'm like, all oh, right, I really like the 1990 Ninja Turtles movie. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, you need that, you know, you need the element of silliness to it. I think to be able to to enjoy it. Um, and 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 almost like um, 
in order to suspend your disbelief, it needs to be a live action cartoon, as you say. Yeah. Um, well, so, so, I mean, I'm comfortable with the sort of like meta level in which this violence is being criticized, you know, and, and being uh, satirized and yet being sold to me. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're right. It it has this sort of over the top element that, um, you know, we don't get sort of post saw, uh, you know, as often or post hostile. Um, but uh, you know, then this way in which, like in universe, you're right. They want to draw these lines where Arnie is not going to kill people who are innocent or unarmed. Uh, you know, and I mean, I will say it's consistent in drawing that line but it's utterly you know a failure to me in in its ability to do so um in the same way that like you know every time i watch the the nolan films and say like yeah i don't kill but i drop people from skyscrapers you know (laughs) and, and break their legs you know i mean yeah at that point it's a distinction without a difference you know i mean you're endangering people left and right um so i mean here you know i mean he is so obviously with the puns and with his expressions he's so obviously enjoying slaughtering people in cartoonish ways um that to then pull back and say like but it's wrong to kill innocents i mean you could kind of do it but i don't know it doesn't it doesn't work for me uh you know i I think the first third of the movie spent so much time trying to sell him as an as a, you know sort of like the fugitive mm-hmm. as, a, as an innocent man who's been framed and is going to go on the run that um having him be so obviously you know like if you know if his character isn't erect when he's performing these murders i don't know what's going on yeah well that's where that's how the film ends with him going off with um that's what happens he's like you know yeah, when he goes off with Amber at the end of the film, mm. he's just like, there's been slaughter everywhere. He's like, I'm so horny. That's just it. Now. <laughs> um, well, nothing's a good, an aphrodisiac, like, you know, a good uh, creative <laughs> murder, right? That's it, yeah. Um, but you're right, no, it is. It's it, And again, I, I, I bring this down to sort of like, you know, Arnie isn't the best. Arnie doesn't have the best range. He's not a great dramatic actor. He needs... Uh, to fill a certain niche, especially in this period, he's probably he's a bit better now. He's older, but um, it's that thing, isn't it? Like if he is going to be that character, be that character, sort of like you know, he you know he's a soldier, um, um, but it, there's almost like a yeah, a re- there's no reluctance to getting involved with the violence. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like he's reluctant to get involved with. The, the the rebels the you know the resistance whatever you want to call it but there's no reluctance to get involved really with the violence i mean um they ne- he never runs he never really runs away from sub zero like he runs a bit and then he's like all right well i might as well just garrot him with this barbed wire um yeah. you know there's no real moment of like yeah you don't get the moment of contemplation or you know, where he's like, well, I've got, you know, there is no other way out of this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, um, 
yeah, having having to sort of like use his skills in a way he doesn't want to use anymore. But I don't know. It, yeah, it very much sort of feels like, oh, back on the wagon, <laughs> off again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, and, and having a, a scene like that would be good. I mean, and, and I think that tonally, I, I just from that first scene, I don't get that this is a cartoon yet, right? I don't get yeah. that character yet. Um, and I think that especially post- you know, at this point, we have had 20 years of James Bond murdering people and making quips about it, right? Mm. I mean, we're conditioned to see that as perfectly acceptable masculinity. It just doesn't, especially today, it doesn't feel like it quite fits with the goody two-shoes, you know, guy of the beginning that, that is kind of in a different, more serious world, even if it's a one-note, you know, <laughs> world, than the silly, the camp of the running man. Oh, the characters, and this, I agree with this because they were clearly filmed. I almost feel like, um, well, it has to be part of the story because it becomes a uh, that footage becomes a major part of the plot. But yeah, the Ben Richards that is in that that helicopter is not the same Ben Richards that is sort of like making puns. Um, you know, you know, was you know, uh, seems now was sub zero now plane zero. Like it's not the same person, um, because he, I mean the character itself seems to go through a bit of a change, but like without saying like you know you see him as his soldier, uh, and then he goes off and spends eighteen months in prison. But even during the prison break, he's a bit more serious. You know, there's there's a little bit of sort of slight human juice, but he's still serious. Um, it's not until he gets back to the rebels. Um, when he says, I'm not like, you know, I'm not a fighter, I'm a survivor. And he has that sort of like, there's a sort of a cockiness to him where he's sort of sat in the chair with the cigar. Um, mm -hmm. And they, they, he has that sort of scene. And I'm like, and that that Ben Richards is who you see for the rest of the film. Um, so there does definitely seem like a disconnect of character between that and the other. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I, I guess I don't need, like, I find that whole escape sequence very, you know, it, sort of hard to follow. Uh, you know, the whole airport, you know, thing is, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. None of it is um, really that entertaining, mm. um, and it, and it's sort of confusing to me. You know, sort of like, why am I getting this? Why am I following this? You know, and then I think, where is the running man stuff I remember? <laughs> um, and everything I remember is that last hour. You know, mm. to me, this is like an hour-long movie. Mm. And if it starts with that dance number with the titles over it, I'm super, super happy with this movie. I'm a lot happier. So, let me throw something to you then um, about that. Mm -hmm. So, um, the, 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 the when he is captured and he is taken to the studio and he's tidied up and he has something injected in him and he's sedated before he's sort of put onto stage. Reminds me immensely of Escape from New York. I was thinking, mm -hmm. like, it's, this is Snake Plissken has been arrested and you have, a, you have some dialogue about what a badass he is and there's been a bank robbery and he was a former soldier and da-da-da. And now he's being given a mission to go save the president, but he's got these explosives in his neck and that takes like 10 minutes before he's on a sort of like you know um 
he's on a sort of a jet or like a, a glider going over into New York, um, and that's it. And like you say, so all the, and not none of that, like, you know, explains everything. And then you get the information a little bit, like you, you know, it's different because you want Snake Plissken to be a mysterious character. Like you don't really get much about his past, other than everyone thinks he's dead. But it's the same thing. Like you, you are getting that backstory in this film in order to sort of facilitate the sort of the snake pliskininess of of the sort of the you know being in the running man. But yeah. I, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and I I'm you know, we'll do it someday, but I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, the the biggest fan of uh, you know, Escape from New York and in or in LA. But um you know, I I I guess I just think, you know, in, in retrospect, they're sort of different movies. Um, you know, the, we're talking about sort of like the, you're right about Arnie smoking the cigar. Mm. Um, you know, it's over the top and taking those explosives off the, you know, but there's so much information being thrown at you, like about the explosives and, you know, so much happens and none of it's really important. No. Um, you know, I mean, all that's important is he's a criminal who has a chance to be on the running man. Um, that's all you really need. And I understand from a writing perspective how you'd want to have this material, right? Um, you know, the instinct is to have this material. But it's really not necessary. And I think the film would be stronger, you know, if you just said, look, what we're doing is wrestling. Like, let's get to the wrestling. Let's get to the over-the-top wrestling murder you know like <laughs> wrestling murder yeah. is what we're doing man with some social satire thrown in um spend that budget on a couple more fake commercials and you know another wrestler in costume and you know we're all good baby yeah no i know what you mean you need what i would say is again um this is sort of a problem of arnie's build um, and what I mean is, obviously, in the book, and, and Stephen King has said, like Michael Bean was very much his sort of, and I always agree with this, having read the books, how I see it, has been his Ben Richards, this very sort of like slight, sort of like smaller guy who has come from the have nots and is doing the games as the, the as a last ditch effort to make some money for his wife and child. Like that's um, the point of the book. Like he's forced into this because they are starving. Um, and so that's fine. If you want someone who is going to look skinny and, and sort of, you know, maybe malnourished, like Michael Bean can do that. And he still could look dangerous. Like if you've ever seen sort of, like, you know, some of those films, his films, he can do that. The problem is Arnie's like six one, you know, however, however much he weighs, if it's all, all muscle, he can't look like someone who's malnourished. <laughs> right. So you need to have that, that almost like a, a justification for his build in order for this thing to happen. So yes, what you need like the military background or whatever, you know, that's the thing they have to build in and say, okay, well, I've got to have that then. And and so it builds to everything else. So again, it's, it's solving a problem. I think that doesn't need to be there, but there are ways around it. I know we rewrite, you could have that, that he's sort of, you know, much like with Conan where, I wasn't this before, but I was on a wheel of pain for, um, you know, however long, and it's made me this hugely muscular guy. I don't know, but you're right. It doesn't need to be as dense and as um, 
you know, whatever. You know, you could introduce all the rebel parts of it later on as, you know, they could be in the zone with him. And well, one of the things that really irritates me is when things are repeated. Mm. Um, and, and then, you know, as a writer, I think, like, why weren't we in the same situation earlier? Why, you know, why is this happening twice? Why is he captured and then escapes and is captured again? The whole escape sequence doesn't need to happen. Um, you know, he just needs to sign up for the Running Man. I mean, or be signed, even... or be signed up for it, right? Which is what really happens. Mm. But you know, I think that to that point, all of those concerns that you are talking about are addressed by Killian saying, "Look at this guy. Yeah, yeah. you know, you know, he's would be awesome. Look at him running. You know, he'd be awesome." Um, well, that's all you need is, you know, the footage of his capture, you know, and you see Killian looking at that footage and saying like, you know, right, we need better ratings, you know, this guy would be great, you know, and you just have that. Well, that explains his physique. Uh, and they're like, you know, well, most of these guys are such scrawny little criminals, <laughs> you know, because they're hungry, you know, then you get some social commentary in there mm. to have more time to do that. Um, yeah, and you could. I suppose the thing is as well, like you, you, you just by rearranging things, like you don't need the massacre because it could be the fact that like nobody believes him. Everybody knows he knows him as the butcher of Bakersfield, right? And he's constantly going like, you know, I'm innocent. I didn't do it. And right, eventually, like it's it's you know, even as the viewer, you're not entirely sure because you see him being violent, right? And it's it's not until the end that it's revealed that he didn't do it. That's what I'm thinking, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think that... Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe, and maybe that's not a the film that Arnold would have wanted to, to no. be in at this point. But I do think that would have been a better film and far more efficient. Mm. I just, I'm so confused by him committing this crime, well, you know, refusing to commit a crime and being captured, right? That should be the setup for the movie. And then, you know, that should be it. Now, yeah. I mean, now we're starting the running man and then we're in a prison camp and it's like, okay. And now we're escaping the prison camp and it's like, okay. And now he's fighting this woman. Okay. And he's taking her hostage and going through an airport. Okay. <laughs> you know, none of this is necessary. Get to the running man. Yeah. Um, that's the selling point. I mean, the one thing I would say as well, even from the very beginning, like you say about unnecessary or, because it, it weirdly takes its time, but also wants to rush things. Because, mm -hmm. uh, like for example, the 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 scene of the the massacre in that helicopter, you know, you get a voice come over the the, the intercom, and it's like, you know, they're talking about the number of people, like fifteen hundred people, they're starving, blah blah, and the voice is like, we don't care, kill them all, blah blah blah, um, and then he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. How quick did the other people in that helicopter turn on him? Uh -huh. Where I'm yeah. like, well, I, I'm even thinking like, oh, there's a backstory here. Like he's not even liked on the <laughs> army base. Like you know, they took they because the guy that hits him with a gun to knock him out, it's almost like they're not his friends or his colleagues. Like he seems completely disconnected from this group of people he's flying around with. Yes. Um, and so the that point. was always that's always really weirded me out. That I'm like, is he just like a is it like a is he just a pilot and these are separate soldiers or are they part of like a, a unit? I, I don't know. It it's um it's so bizarre because and clearly rushed 
because it, the, the the film that came out the same year, uh, Predator, one of the things I love about that film is the fact that the group of people that Arnie and his troop feel legit feel like a, a unit, like you know they have a history and they sort of they have that bonding that's that was done uh, before filming that really pays off. And so yeah, it, I don't know, it just it has scenes that do that, doesn't it? It has scenes where it's sort of like this this scene's not really necessary, but you're also rushing it to get the information out. So you know, you, yeah. you're sort of losing on both sort of fronts. Well, if you think about the first 30 minutes, you have a massacre that he is arrested for. Then yeah. you have an escape attempt <laughs> establishing multiple new characters and new technologies. Then you have then you join a rebellion, refuse to actually join them, but you see their underground base and everything. Then are trucked off where you kidnap a woman, <clears throat> where the main character kidnaps a woman decides in like you know a shot that takes 10 seconds to go to hawaii you know which is what you usually do and um you know goes through an airport i mean and then gets captured again and then gets you know sort of drafted into the running man that's like a whole movie's worth of plot that is rammed into 30 <laughs> minutes it is and it's yeah. a different movie if this was a TV show, The Running Man happens in season two. <laughs> yeah. These days, with how things are spaced out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, the, I mean, it's like Westworld. Uh, season one ends with they decide to revolt. You know, The Running Man. <laughs> season one ends with he's selected to be on The Running Man. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I hope I hope HBO continue with this show so we can actually see The Running Man. Um, yeah, I know. I, I think I agree with what you're saying that. I agree. The vast majority of the first act is not needed, um, but it's sort of it, it's as you say, it's exposition heavy because there's so much that they have tried to fit into this rather straightforward plot, haven't they? Because they've got mm -hmm. like Ben Richards' background, they're trying to build up his character, and then you've got this thing around the resistance and like the haves and have-nots, which, as you say, they don't really show a great deal of, but they do show like a. Um, a camp where that's where he gets his, his collar removed. Um, and also what's interesting when they, when it goes to the show, they have the voting, the gambling, sorry, not the mm. voting, the gambling going on. And that's yeah. clearly like an underground kind of thing. But some of the sort of, you know, the, the amounts of money that's being bandied around that like one guy's sort of like $200 on, on Ben Richards. And I'm like in 1987, you're meant to be a have not, like you know. Surely this, this, this <laughs> again, like you know, change some of that so the the vote the the gambling could actually be for food rations or like food stamps or something. Well, uh, in fairness, keep in mind that like one thing I really like is did you notice that like the soda is nine dollars? Yes, uh, I did see that. Yes, right, so yeah, so there is inflation. Is like twenty sodas. Yes, that's true. So that's not that much, but yeah, yeah I know what you're saying. It, it, you shouldn't feel like they have money. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it, you're right. There's an inflation thing that they are sort of hitting on and stuff. But um, Damn Democrats. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting... interesting. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll mention that later. But, yeah, I think, like, you know, it's, again... This is that thing of, like, this film's a couple of degrees away from being really cool. I feel a bit like this with Outlands. You know what I mean? This is like an Outland where I'm like, yeah, there's bits of this really fail, but, like, I really like other bits... Um, and unfortunately, because of the person they cast as the main character, like you have to go <laughs> a certain way. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, here, I don't know that... I, I mean, the truth is, if they had done a straight adaptation, it'd be a very different film. I mean, there's no way to imagine this. We can imagine Outland without Sean Connery. Yeah. Um, and, and pretty easily. And, and it's, you know, it's hard to imagine that anyone else wouldn't have done better. Um, you know, but I agree with you. It's It's good enough that we imagine like oh parts of this are great you know this mm -hmm. could be really great i think this is similar in that respect but i can't imagine anyone but arnold you know no i i just want this to be closer to later arnold you know and it's so close to sort of full-fledged uh you know high period arnold um without quite getting there yeah no, I, I know what you mean, it, and it is, it's almost there, and there's like some bits, there are just slight bits missing. Um, but I also wonder, like you say, if, if again, you know, if this wasn't Paul Michael Glazer, if this was actually like the original director, would it be a different, uh, you know, a different film? I don't know how much the script was changed in that time between directors. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so like you say, it keeps, it keeps alluding to a great film and it's, that's not to say it's a bad film because I, I do I end, I do really enjoy this film um, but like you say I often forget how sort of short mm. the running man section actually is because not only does it not you know, see it starts about the 30 minute mark yeah but then they escape and it actually goes into like um, a rebel sort of a, an attack on the station um, and so it's yeah oh, yeah which, Yes, at the end. So the finale right. isn't even part of the Running Man. It's on the it's yeah. on the station and stuff, um, and it obviously has the fake death of of Ben Richards and all this other stuff. But like, it's not part of the game show, right? Yeah, at that point, they're kind of you're done with the wrestling supervillains part. Yeah, um, and he he never really has it. They, they tease that there's going to be a showdown because he has sort of Sven. Um, What's his name? Alderson. I'm gonna look for his his, his mate. Uh Sven Althorson, um, who is one of his bodybuilding chums, who ends up in a lot of his films, who's the sort of the Killian's bodyguard. Um and refuses Girl who to walks off and doesn't yeah. like the steroid comment. Yeah, he's I'm going to off to, yeah, I'm going to score some steroids and leaves Killian to it. Um it, it sort of teases, but it feels like there should be like another showdown. Um, do you know what I mean? Because it ends up with Arnie just basically strapping Killian into mm. the, the chair and firing him off. Um, so, you know, that hit the mark. Um, but it does, it feels like there's a final confrontation that should happen between um, Arnie and one of the stalkers. Um, mm. and I, I kind of feel like it should be Captain Freedom. Yeah, yeah. What even happens to him at the end? Well, he just sort of leaves. He just walks out, yeah. and it's all about him because he. What he says, he say, he makes that statement, doesn't he? Because he's watching, he's looking at this poster of himself when he's obviously younger, and it's for a, a a former UFC or some kind of fighting things. And he was like, I was killing guys with my bare hands, um, and he, you know he has this whole thing about how the gimmicks are all crap, um, mm -hmm. which is he hates the costume. Which everyone does. That he has the worst costume. It's like, oh, someone's yeah. put a locker on him. Like it looks bizarre, um, hugely um, ineffective. Impractical. Yeah. yeah, it's the worst. Um, anyway, 
I, I think there, that... there was a G.I. Joe character who was like, I think he was just called Super Soldier. Right. He was like a mail-in guy, and he looks just like that. Which was like a, you know, basically bare-chested, but with a hunk of metal strap. Like, that enhances you somehow. Yeah, <laughs> that's robotics. Yeah, um, that's what yeah. that is. Yeah. Million, yeah, six million dollar man, just not as well refined. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I've always felt like there should have been like, you know, he steps in in just, you know, like a tank top thing, and there needs to be a showdown between Arnie and, and Captain Freedom, and and mm-hmm. Captain Freedom's like, you know, I've got, I'm going to prove, I'm going to tear you apart, you know, Richards, you know, don't need, I don't need any of those gimmicks, just me and you, and there'd be a fight on the stage. Yeah, like, and well, I, I was, yeah, and I always feel like that's missing, and that would be a really cool, like, you know, end fight. Um, yeah. that, no, uh, you're right, and and it, and there's time for it mm. uh, in the running time, especially if we, you know, uh, get rid of uh, some of this early stuff. Um, you know, you're right that Killian's death uh, feels, you know, I you know I say his death, but you know, um, feels abrupt. I love that he's strapped into the machine and sort of sent into the set, but then that's just shooting him down the pipe. Yeah. Um, and in fact, you know, I have a lot, a lot of my logistical questions about this have to do with that pipe. Um, and, you know, like the net at the end, if you've ever been to like a fun park or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, everybody clears that net at the end. You know, this is a big deal. There's a guy right behind you in, with a rocket sled. <laughs> He's clearly going to rear end you. Yet when he comes crashing in, the net is totally removed and prepped for the next guy. Mm. Um, and then I guess it's just not there for Killian at the end. So he goes flying off and into a billboard. Basically all, you know, why do you have this long pipe? I get to, I guess to go to the other set. Um, you know, well, it's, like not, it's, it's, skyscraper. Yeah. it's not a set, is it? Cause that's the thing as well. The, 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 the running yeah. man's zone is the site of, like a rubble set uh, site from a uh, an earthquake that's never mm. been repaired. Like it's a de- it's a you know demolished zone um, that's now so, just been left to its own devices. So are they like in a they're like in a skyscraper? Yes, on a on a set, and so then they are put into tubes that shoot them through the entire rest of the skyscraper, and, like uh, down uh, like forty stories or something into you know the surrounding area. Under you know underground underground yeah yeah you know until they're uh, yeah I want to see more of like I want to see a sideways schematic of that or something (laughs) you know like yeah I mean and you're right about the the way in which this feels like a set this feels sort of like flat that there isn't that sense of space um no and that sort of um because of that because they sort of and you know there's obviously budgetary restraints special effects restraints of the time it's that's fine but because of that they keep showing these small spaces and so but they they have to keep telling you oh there's 400 square blocks i'm going that's a big space that's a large yeah, space that's a city, see, that is. yeah we see about 30 feet <laughs> like because you know it's just this weird little yeah it never feels like they're traveling or you know mm-hmm. um and 
again, re- referencing sort of uh, Escape from New York, but there's been other films that have done it, where you choose somewhere to film that would be on location that you then sort of show them having to do things. I mean, are people living in these ruins, um, you know, like Mad Max style or Escape from New York? Like, is it, you know, or is it completely deserted and they're just being hunted down by the stalkers? I don't know, but I'd want to see more of this. I mean, you, you know, you saying you want to expand on on this section. That's what I would do. I'd introduce almost like a feral population that still live in these ruins that they've got to cope with that as well. Um, not just the the runners, but the stalkers. The reason this is a contact sport and the, the stalkers have got to be so badass is like not only they've got to hunt these people down, but they've got to survive this um, mm. this zone as well. And yeah, so they're that, being sent into the no man's land. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like there's a there is a real danger to this. Like it's not just Ben Richards being the you know being this badass. It's actually surviving out in this zone is dangerous. Um, well, I mean, I, I was thinking about how well Logan's Run communicates the travel, mm. um, and and travel and going from one zone to another is always something that I, I think needs to be shown. Right. You know, it's something that I'm always irritated. You know, they're like, why? You know, we'll go here. I always need to see it. Well, we've said that um, with Star Wars, haven't we? I mean, they're like, mm. we're now going to go to this planet. Whoop, we're there. And like, yeah. So, yes, I know what you mean. Um, yeah. And uh, and also, like, you know, the feral kids in uh, Logan's Run. Let you know, you're suggesting let's have a bit of that here. Mm. Um, you know, let's have a bit of. I mean, I think you have these motorcyclists. Who are they? Are they employed by the game? I don't know. I they thought that be before. Harassing, yeah, like the 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 runners, and and then there are these audience members, at least still at that point, right in this sort of entrance to the bombed out, you know, the earthquake destroyed area, who are throwing things cans at them and stuff i quite like that mm. but where are they <laughs> like you know are they like right let's go to the atomic wasteland you know i know that that's not literally true but but that's it but that's the point isn't it like you say there's this sort of it hints at this thing of, of like you say this entrance way to this this area and then all of a sudden it's just massively unpopulated <laughs> it's like well like you say, yeah you're right i've always wondered that like are they do they because they work they seem to be doing a job you know they usually they clear the net they seem to do something then you've got this biker gang and i'm like oh are they part and parcel of like the show is this part of, do they work for this for the station do they go home at the end of the day <laughs> yeah i don't know it feels like it shouldn't it feels like it should be um they're just shot out into this no man's land and that's it like they've got to survive um and that should even be part of the game. Like, you know, the stalkers get a bonus if, they, if they're if they the ones to kill the runners, um, which is what motivates them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the thing that I realized watching this is that all you need to start a revolution is just to have a game show uh, uh, contestant that uh, wins a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, all society will rally behind them. Yeah. Well, I say it makes family fortunes. It makes family, yeah, family feud be a very different show. If this, uh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think of all the near revolutions American gladiators caused. I mean, (laughs) 
this, this comes to another point, actually. We've always said this, and I wanted to get to this point. I'm sort of looking at the time because we talk about this, and I, I don't want this to slide because of it's been an Arnie film and, and I like it. But this also suffers from the same thing as Logan's Run um, and these many other sort of like dystopian toppling um, movies. So mm. they kill Killian, they bring down the running man, and they have fired out the truth um, into the world, allegedly. Where does this film go? Because yeah, is, is this is this is this becoming like a now is this like an ongoing running battle now with the with the government? Because just because you've shown the truth, like doesn't right. mean the, doesn't mean the people rise up. The level of apathy we've already seen that they're willing to accept anything that they're told. We, right. we so I don't know. It just yeah, the ending of this is. It I'm less bothered by it here than in Logan's Run. Oh yeah, right. Logan. I mean, Logan's run is a complete disaster because it's sort of like yeah, yeah. Well, you can't go back, right? Mm. I mean, I love the ending of this movie with the watching the TV screen and seeing, you know, first of all, this completely sells like the kiss and going off as the music swells, like it's <laughs> so eighties, and I'm yeah. so like yeah, you know, that male hero who's been violent gets the girl. That yep. is the logic of this universe, and <laughs> I was brought up in that logic, and it makes complete sense to my, you know, reptilian brain. Um, you know, but then you see that framed now by, you know, uh, it's on a screen in an environment, a sort of dystopian environment with a mob, and uh, they say experiencing technical difficulties, uh, please stand by. And I love that message. I love that shot. And I mm -hmm. love that message. And that to me is sort of like at least nodding to what you're saying and that we often talking talk about, right? Like, we don't know what the sequel is. Please no. stand by, right? We don't know how the society is going to evolve. I mean, my big objection is less that than how the hell did they edit this video <laughs> in that amount of time, right? Um, you know, instead of just playing the truth. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I sort of feel like, obviously, the Running Man show is kaput. There was already revolutionaries. Maybe they'll be encouraged by this, and there'll be more. But I don't feel like society's about to collapse. Mm. I feel like that show is about to collapse. Um, oh, and, you know, we found out Killian was very corrupt. You know, and, and they doctored evidence. We're shocked and appalled that they was exactly. That's yeah, the end, right? I mean, this is what I'm saying about them finding a scape because this goes back to the beginning. Like they find a scapegoat. Ben Richards was the original scapegoat. Killian now becomes the next scapegoat. He's dead, so he can't defend himself. Whatever, so he gets thrown under the bus to cover the rest of the network. Life carries on as normal. It, right, Well, that's what's going to happen. I mean. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that the movie kind of wants you to believe that The Running Man is central to this entire civilization, right? It's a little like a sort of like Rick and Morty alien planet or something yeah. where, you know, a little simplistic. Um, yeah, and that somehow with it being toppled, then, you know, people are going to go like, well, no more bread and circuses. We've got to question what the government's doing now. It doesn't really say that, but it kind of implies that. And, mm. and 
yeah, I don't think you and I buy that. No. What I would say is, and this I wanted, I do spoilers ahead because I do want to touch on the end of the novel and how it varies. Please. If you don't mind the spoilers, no, go for it. Take so, uh, Richards in the in the novel says it is a much smaller person and, and he's not this sort of fighter fighter. He ends up getting into a battle, um, and he gets he gets a bit sort of he gets injured. Um, and he ends up hijacking um, a plane, like a 747, and clearing the plane and sort of like forcing it to take off and sort of like he's trying to escape. But in the battle, he ends up having, he ends up basically getting disemboweled. Like he gets his, he gets injured to the extent where he's literally holding his guts in. Um, and he's able to sort of, he gives them a destination and then he takes over the plane and just basically turns the, puts the plane into a dive. Like you got to accept certain things. It's a, it's a, again, it's a dark adventure. But what, what he does, and this is why I don't think we'll have this on screen, is he, fly, he flies that plane into the skyscraper that, where the network is mm-hmm. uh, and kills Killian. I mean, there's a great moment where Killian looks out the window and he he actually says, like, it passes through his head, he swears he can see Ben Richards and Ben Richards has given him the finger. And like that's sort of the end of the story. Um, and you reading it when I did in the 90s, I'm like, cool! Reading it now, I'm like, oof, not sure a plane hijacking and it being flown into, yeah. a, into a building is going to make it onto TV. Um, well, that's not the problem, right? I mean, that yeah. that is a problem. That's one the problem, real problem yeah. is that the guy doing it is the hero, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's the central issue. And of course, if we didn't have the same relationship to heroes and protagonists that comes out in Arnie needing to be, you know, the hero... Uh, we would be able to tolerate that and have a discussion about that. Um, you know, in the same way that like Bat Knight, Dark Knight Strikes Again, as Batman saying, oh yeah, I'm a terrorist. I've always been a terrorist. You know, um, we can have these discussions, um, but we're not willing to, I think, because of our whole relationship to what is a hero, what's a protagonist. Mm-hmm. That movie's not getting made. I mean... No. No. Well, it does have... The thing I, I think the movie might not made, but I think you could have it as a TV series because the reason he goes all out is he finds out that his wife and child uh, have died. They've actually died of, of, of an illness, um, and his wife is then a bit like what they do to Amber in this, where they present this whole story about who she is. They do, they do the same to his wife, and so it's almost like a revenge plot. But I'm thinking of like as I said, I'm currently watching The Walking Dead, but there's been others like this is. Uh, breaking bad or like you know that sort of like good people doing bad things but always like you say this thing of the protagonist i think we can even like say game of thrones or other shows have tried have done this relatively well where you're willing to accept that certain people will do certain bad things and you can sort of you're not you say you're less that you're rooting for them but you sort of understand where they're going and they're they're people they're complex you can do that, I think, better in a TV show than you can um, a film, maybe. I don't know. Like, um, you know, it wouldn't be a big blockbuster mainstream film. I think you'd have to try and be a bit more, I don't know, maybe streaming could do it. But um, you're right. I don't think you'd yeah. have that now. I mean, maybe eventually we could. Um, I just think that's, you know, so much of what we've talked about over the years in terms of like why I really hate Tony Stark, you know, mm. like 
he's the bad guy. I really hate these superheroes who just endanger and murder tons of people and are are still presented with swelling music and glorious shots. And, you know, we're clearly supposed to just not just love them, but worship them. Um, you know, I, and I think this whole sort of sickness, uh, yeah. you know, there is a sickness behind all of this that, you know, you can't do that version of the story. No, no, not anymore. Oh, no, no, not now. Maybe. Um, you know, yeah. I, I do think it's Before worth... Before we die, we'll, we'll get it. Uh, yes, we'll, maybe. We'll be in the old folks' homes. Uh, and we'll finally, finally see... Finally, <laughs> the, the true version. I mean, I wonder if... I'm, I'm thinking now... You, could you say about this... this uh, I mean, you wouldn't get it in a superhero film. You're right that sort of like the superhero genre has, has made them heroic... You know, heroic to be the sort of like they can't do certain things, or they have to do it, but it has to be in a certain way. Um, but then, like you said, they have to be presented in a certain way. I'm I'm, I'm trying to think of has there ever been has Arnie or Stallone or, or any of those done a film where they done that heroic thing, but had that I don't say downbeat, but done the things that you're like, Oof, I'm not sure. The hero would do that. I don't know. I, I can't think of any at the moment. You know, Rambo probably, but again, that's sort of like a different. The first one, I suppose, but that's a very different kind of film. Yeah, it's a different thing. The eighties very, very much established a, 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 an archetype of a hero, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, but that that hero is that eighties hero is capable of unleashing massive amounts of violence. <laughs> Yes, massive amounts of and and being absolutely for it. sociopathic. Yeah, yeah. What's the sociopathy that really is unique, right? The yes. smiling. There's no trauma. It's the opposite of Rambo, right? That's why Rambo couldn't stay Rambo. Mm. He's got to revert to sociopathy mm -hmm. because the '80s demand sociopathy of the male. Right? Yes, masculinity has to be absolutely sociopathic. If you show emotion or weakness other than, you know... Aggression. Yeah, right. You're, you know, Weak. unacceptable. Yeah. But to touch on that, this idea of sociopathy and this idea of, of heroes, because this idea, you know, this, this uh, creation of the hero type, I think the 80s hero type, sort of the good guy violent... Um, we get it's so it's, it's it's a sort of a softening of a character because you say we talk about John Rambo in, in sort of like you know first blood, but also like I would say Dirty Harry, like the Dirty Harry of the first film is pretty different to the Dirty Harry of the rest of the films, you know, because they, you know, the, they, the, the Dirty Harry of the first film is very much sort of like not a villain, but like you know, he isn't a good guy, and then they mm -hmm. want they, they sort of translate him to become a bit more of a um oh he's a uh you know a rogue he's a loose cannon and all that kind of stuff um and so yeah you get sort of um a softening of harry callahan over the over the films and i think this is this, this is that thing isn't it like the 80s required you to be brusque you know uh stoic um you know saying one-liners and stuff but also willing able um, and happy to kill left, right, and center, um, <laughs> you know, um, for the for the the greater good. Um, 
So, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that's what a man does. You know, he protects his family by going house to house in his neighborhood and slaughtering his neighbors in inventive ways. I mean, yeah. No, that's why the village around here is very quiet. This, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you learn the techniques uh, as, as a wrestler, and, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, you, 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 you've got the gimmick costume, you know, uh, there's I been do. a slate I, of uh, bizarre murders. I basically stalk the streets in Lycra every night, hunting down people that are sort of, uh, it's like the purge. But, you know, a bit more camp because I'm sort of singing opera whilst I do it. Yeah. Uh, well, act, that sounds Marvel. I want to watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and here again, we have the disconnect between like movies and real life, right? Yes. What we, you know, I vicariously enjoy uh, versus, you know, in real life, it'd be like, oh, man, you know. And, and to that point, you know, I joke that. Um, you know, it totally makes sense to me that he gets the girl and, hmm. you know, she she's like, I misjudged you. Right. OK, let's be let's be clear. He still straight up kidnaps her, steals her money and yeah. her stuff, terrifies her. There's an implied rape, you know, like he has not raped her, but he has pushed her to back and mm -hmm. clearly shown like. I could rape you if I want, right? Well, even one of her you know. colleagues acknowledges that. Like he could have he could have mm. raped you and killed you or killed you and raped you. And like like it's it's almost done as a joke. And I'm just like, oof. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not gone down well. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard to imagine today, like, right, okay, so back up. You've fallen in love with a man who kidnapped you, and yeah. that you were terrified as you went through that airport, right? Like, there's no point at which you were not in abject terror, mm -hmm. and now you're like, oh, but he had a good reason for it, didn't he? I'd like to have a future with that guy. I mean, this is not psychologically correct, no. um, let but alone it's, socially it's film, correct. It's film heroically correct, isn't it? That's exactly. Yeah. Right, and that and that's part of that disease. Mm. The thing is, I say we went this we went through this period doing this. I mean, this is still, a, you know, this is a, uh, typified by all the sort of the Saturday morning cartoons that we watched as well. Everything from He Man to, to Transformers to, um, you know, GI Joe and all those Saturday morning cartoons about those sorts of heroes. They were better. This is why you you end up being able to have a RoboCop and a Rambo cartoon because they just fit into that mold. Um, but it also, it's a weird transition because you've also got, and it's not linked with this, but in this mold, is the vigilante movie. You know, we're mm. talking about sort of uh, Charles Bronson in Death Wish, and, and there's one just called, I think, called Vigilante. No, The Executioner. Um, and, you know, you get really? those. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it is kind of good, though, to be fair. Um, but you get these sort of these vigilante movies again, and it's sort of, we've had to sort of dis. Um, not dismantle them, also, but re these could they've been deconstructed, and I think this is the problem. Like in the deep, when you talk to deep, when you deconstruct these films mm. and these tropes, you take away the, uh, the fun. Sounds like the wrong thing to say, but like once you remove the sort of the camp elements of it being silly and knowing that it's silly, and you know it's it's glorification of of gore and all this other stuff, and you try to you make it real and you deconstruct it. You can't, like you said, it's really difficult to go back to to, to go the, back to what to enjoying it to to the, yeah to the, yeah it's just, just difficult to explain. Um, this is a kill to dissect, right? Exactly. Yes, 
Um, I I don't I don't agree with that anymore. Uh, I mean, I feel like, look, I mean, we're talking about it now with the Running Man, right? The Running Man is totally enjoyable. I could totally enjoy you know this movie. I can enjoy RoboCop. I'm also utterly aware that they screwed me up. You know, like I I was not a better man because I watched Arnold Schwarzenegger mm. movies in the eighties and nineties. I mean, no, you know. true, but is it a generational thing? You and I grew up on these things and watched them probably earlier than we was, you know, we really should have done um, from a developmental or a sort of any psychological <laughs> point of view. But is there a generation now that's six, you know, that's gone through? The deconstruction of these areas and, and this other stuff that, that can't go back to these, they, they look at them and acknowledge, and all they see them is is silly and absurd. And, and I don't know because they are uh, taken out of the air and out of context. Do they no longer work? Yeah, I, I think I don't know. Um, and I think it probably is on a case by case basis, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you and I can go back to stuff from the 50s and mm. be like. Oh, this is cringe, you know, this mm-hmm. is this is not working. But then other stuff were like, oh, that's perfectly charming. It works for me. Um, and I think in much the same way that like um, you know, I've no I've had uh black friends who who said I can't read Will Eisner's The Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's racial stereotypes are just too much for me. And I'm and it's like my first instinct is like, what racial stereotypes? Yeah. And then I'm like, oh yeah, that totally yes. that's sort yeah. of horrible character but i don't even that's not even the first thing that comes to mind because i'm thinking of like will eisner's shots and whatever but i have the privilege that 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 Mm -hmm. doesn't have to affect me um i can imagine a woman watching uh the the running man you know a a woman of who's you know 20 years old watching the running man and saying this is some toxic masculine shit you know (laughs) and the two of us going like our first instinct is like, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's good fun, you know? But that doesn't mean she's not right. And that no, doesn't no, no, mean yeah. that another 20-year-old woman couldn't say, oh, that's absolutely true, but I still enjoy it. Mm. Um, I think individual variation is greater than the generalization. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. That's a very, very good point. I think, you know, and I think really that films um, of this era and i'd say from like 85 86 through to about 93 94 there's a window there that sort of hits that stride of being i think you know very fun and very open but like i say they hit that gore window of the you know the the special effects of hit of mark where you can do the sort of really good physical gore and and, and you know you can go be over the top i mean again i think total recall is a really good example of it of of that use of sort of practical effects and you know and, and stuff and you could watch that and it, it hits that Verhoeven mark, doesn't it, of being just silly enough, but also being you know actually a really we'll we'll do it definitely do that one day. Um. So yeah, and then I think there was like a bit of a rebuke to it. Like I think there was a pushback and and um we lost some of that, I think, but it, it, it's, you go back to them now and I think people kill, can watch them and go, Oh, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, that's so, so, so silly. Mm. Um, but you, you're right. You and I will go back and go, no, it's a loads of fun. Like, you know, buckets of blood were used um, and, and sort of see it. And I think you see it from different contexts. So I'd, I'd even be interested from, if, you know, from listeners, where, what generation mm. are you and where do you stand on, on this kind of thing, on these eighties, violence 
uh, and sort of the cartoonish nature of it. Um, yeah, I, I love it. Um, you know, but I was, but you know, I mean, I think we love sex and violence mm -hmm. and I love sex and violence. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm not open to interrogating it. And that doesn't mean that, I mean, for me, it's important to be able to say, I could still enjoy these movies and also understand that I'm implicated. You know, um, I think that, you know, uh, we have societies, especially in the States, where, you know, if you say, like, that's racist. Oh, well, I can't possibly like a movie that's racist. No, you know, tons of stuff is racist, right? You know, I mean, you know, that we love. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and that doesn't mean that we love it because it's racist. Hopefully we love it despite but that's hard to disentangle, frankly. Mm -hmm. And we can understand that we're implicated and still say, I like it. And that doesn't mean that I'm a racist and a terrible person and a sexist. And, you know, <laughs> our deconstructing this stuff doesn't have to mean like, I can't enjoy this movie anymore. No, enjoy the movie. You know, I, I mean, I can enjoy this movie and still say like, yeah, there's a part of my reptilian brain that is still yeah. like, you know what? I've done good in my life. I've helped a lot of people. I'm a great teacher. You know, I I, I went to Ferguson. I'm I'm a great guy. Like, you know, I, I got my PhD and I wrote a lot of books. You know, where's my trophy woman who doesn't care <laughs> if I kidnap yeah. her? You know, like, and that's totally irrational. That's dumb of me. It is sexist and it's terrible. But I know where that came from. I know mm -hmm. where the idea that like sex and women should be commodified. It should be a reward for being a good guy, right? I mean, I came from a culture that taught me that. Um, and I've had to deprogram myself. But the fact that I can recognize that this movie re-cements that or, or, or you know, uh, is part of that doesn't mean that I can't enjoy it at the same time. I just no, have – I true. just bracket it a little. I think that's, that's okay. A I like that bracketing it. I think that's the point, isn't it? You go bracket it and say, well, here's, yeah, despite. Because you say about them female thing, and one of the things that just clicked in my head as you're saying that, you talked about the final shot and how you completely accept it. But you've also sort of said that there's a, there's a slightly rapey overtone to the relationship. When the two of them kiss at the end and then they walk off, and so I, I saw someone point this out many years ago, and I just remembered it. He doesn't put his arm around her and hold her around her. I thought he literally grabs like that. He has his hand around the back of her neck, <laughs> like uh -huh. and she's and and, and you know uh, the actress uh, Maria um, Conchita Alonso. She's not a large woman. Like she's not tall. She's 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 very sort of relatively petite woman compared to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like it looks like he is re-kidnapping her. Basically, <laughs> he's sort of like you know. He's basically come with me or I'll snap your neck. Sort of like. Right. That's a very good point because I was disturbed by the kidnapping scene in the airport. Mm. Um, that how he has his big fit, his big hand around her neck. Mm. Uh, and he's, that's how he's sort of steering her. Yeah. And, you know, you see people looking at them and you think like flash the sign for I'm in trouble. Right. Um, which we should all learn. And, you know, mm. um, but, you know, it's kind of a horrifying scene. Um, and, and you think then also, like, why is it socially acceptable to be, like, holding your, quote-unquote, wife, your woman, your girlfriend by her neck? You know, <laughs> yeah. like, that doesn't stand out at all in a crowd. But the fact that that was Arnold's way of 
you know, holding her, right? Mm-hmm. At least at this time. And, and and Arnold has talked about his sexism and the way he yeah, objectified yeah. women in this era. And, you know, he's come a long way. And I think been, you know, a, a good beacon to a lot of men who followed him and thought, you know, mm-hmm. he looks great. I should be that manly man, you know. Um, so we can learn from the past. But that's a very good point about that. That is super creepy. Yeah, it ends on a really creepy note, but but yes. Anyway, I think we have sort of run to time, and we've, we've so we've talked mm. the Running Man. Um, any final thoughts? The my final thought is in a in a film that we've talked about its sort of misogynistic um, uh, background or whatever. There are like Sin City. It's interesting to me how sometimes the most uh, misogynistic or sort of tough guy sort of visions of the world also love to hurt men in the most sexual way possible there are three separate crotch hits all to men (laughs) one with a chainsaw to the crotch uh another with a flare to fireball's crotch that starts the explosion and then uh the woman kicks dynamo in the crotch before he tries to rape her but and then four actually because uh amber also punches um, ben Rich is in the nuts when she escapes from him in the uh, airport. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, this this movie. Just remember, guys. <laughs> you know, the most uh, macho societies. You know, while they commodify women, also love destroying the penis. Yes. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. Or well, at least put it under great duress. Because if you can carry on afterwards, then you're a real man. Mm. Um, actually, if you want to put it that way, and you want to be really weird about it, the the the, the nut shots or the sort of uh, groin shots um, to the three villains result in their death, whilst mm-hmm. Ben Richards continues after his because he's a hero. <laughs> so mm. he can take a shot to the nuts and carry on going, just like the Energizer Bunny. Um, writing an essay. Yeah, about testicular <laughs> shots in action films. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, I, I, mine is similar. I, I do enjoy this film. Um, it's been—I've watched this a number of times over the years. It's one of those I do go back to. It's one of—it's one of those Arnie films I think I do enjoy. But I do acknowledge that it has flaws, um, and it's one of those weird films. And again, we've talked about this with a few films now. We've sort of had this season. It's a couple of degrees off being really good. And I think we sort of said that was like the theme of the first half of this season was like, this film's a couple of degrees off being really good. It could have been this, could have been that. This is almost like, it's not, I wouldn't say this is a Verhoeven wannabe. I mean, it came out the same year as, as Robocop. There was clearly something in the air, something in the air mm-hmm. in 86, 87. Um, but this feels like, yeah, Verhoeven light. Like, you know, there's, the, the adverts and the sort of other TV shows climbing was it climb for money um the guy being told mm. by the dogs and uh the fans in the audience sort of getting to pick uh their favorite and the old woman um picking Ben Richards for the next kill he's a mean motherfucker like all that <laughs> is, is is great I like that stuff um but it, yeah it, it, like you say the di- the the running man stuff is the best bit um and you know, the more you talk about, it, the more you're like, yeah, yeah, that's where the the fun is. That's where the action is. Um, more of that, less of the other stuff would have been really, really good. Um, 
but it clearly gets bogged down in its own need to be to justify certain things. Um, so yeah, no, I did, you know, I, I, I would love to one day to see a, a closer adaptation of the book, um, which is darker. Um, but at the moment, I think if anything, I'd like this to go the other way and be more camp and more sort of satirical and more violent, I think would have been, it would have been, um, much, much better. But yes. No, I agree with all that. Yeah. And, you know, let's have that fi- add that final confrontation. I mean, you know, yes, that's almost like a re edit of this with some lost footage, possibly that could be like a lot better. Yeah. Well, weirdly, one of the other reasons I think there should be that fight is because that's the fight that they had to fake. You've already mm, had that. You've already right. had the confrontation. You've had a fake confrontation between. Mm. Uh, Captain Freedom and and uh, Ben Richards, so you should be allowed to be given the real one as well. Sort of, um, this won't go like in the video. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I'm sure there's another pun I can sort of think of. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, and in terms of the uh, how this is two, prognostic, like yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> You know uh, how this is prognostic. It, that's uh, deep fakes, right? Yes. I mean that took forty years, but that's where we are. Yeah, the technology is there for deep fakes, and this also covers things like fake news and, um, mm. you know, what would they call it? Alternative facts. Uh, you know, there's an essay for all that as well in here, sort of talking mm. about me- the media manipulation of of uh, facts and. Um, you know, a game show host. I mean, you know, if you really wanted, like, the, a, a game show host being involved in the government. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, you can make all kinds of connections to uh, where we're at at the moment. Um, well, and and let's also point out, both uh, Ventura and Schwarzenegger went on to become governors. Yes, yes, they did. Right? I mean, there were two future <laughs> governors in a movie about how celebrities with muscles. You know, and yes. gimmicks. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, have too much influence <laughs> over the the government. Yes. Uh, yeah. I wonder if that was uh, well. Both men, are, you know, are I think um, ex- extremely intelligent, but probably were never savvy enough to think that's uh, you know a point we should probably. Well, actually, no, because um, as he when he ran for governor, mm-hmm. obviously he obviously used you know he was the governor. Um, but I have a, I have a feeling that he used some of those sort of slogans and stuff from this as well. So yeah, he was completely unaware <laughs> of the sort of the 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 satire and the prognostication of that. So yes. Anyway, there we are. There we are. We have talked. Uh, I'm still thinking this might be our first Arnie film. We've done sort of Stallone. Now we've done Arnie. Uh, at some point, we'll do Van Damme and some of the others. Maybe Time Cop. I've really pushed the boat out. I've really pushed Julian's buttons with uh, t- a time travel <laughs> film that makes absolutely no sense of its time travel. Um, so, yes, but we are not done with uh, dystopian futures. We've got a few sort of coming up. Um, and, you know, we've had satirical media messaging in this film. Now we're going to be having um, an eco message uh, dystopian future. Next, we're going to be talking about Kevin Costner's film, uh, Waterworld from 1995, the epic, epic uh, flop <laughs> that that uh, 
ruin his career. We are going to be reconsidering it, I think, um, and and whether or not it stands up. We shall see. Yeah, we'll see. I I do think this is the first Arnie film. Looking at the yeah, so yeah. it is indeed. Then if it is, it's the first Arnie film, which then means I say we need to be doing the others. We've done some Stallone. Uh, we're doing Arnie. I think yeah, Van Dam. Van Dam next. I'm going to try and Universal Soldier. Uh, oh my god! Oh my god! I, I you know I'll watch Waterworld, but I got to draw the line somewhere. Man. <laughs> oh geez, I remember that. Yeah. God, watching Van Damme like my brother's really into bad action movies, uh, <laughs> so he has like all of the, uh, um, you know, he has like all of the straight to video horrible mm-hmm, stuff that mm-hmm. you know uh, these guys did uh, after the fact. Who's the guy who was it under siege? Steven Seagal. Oh, my yeah. brother has all the straight-to-video <laughs> Steven Seagal stuff. Oh, it's all horrible beyond belief. Yeah, like, it's Steven so Seagal. Bad. Steven Seagal is one of the laziest sort of action fighters. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. However, like, I would say... Some of those cuts. Yes. What I would say is, there is a... Um, there is a tangential um, way of bringing Van Damme into... Not this season, but in the season. We are doing a, a sequel to Blade Runner this season, oh, Blade right. Runner 2049. Uh, before that was discussed, another script was touted as a sequel to... Um, uh, potentially, it was it was meant to be doing a sequel as a number of films, including He-Man uh, by Canon Film. It was well, it was eventually made by Canon Film. Replicant. Um, mm. but, uh, I think, no, Cyborg. Sorry, Cyborg. I thought it was Soldier. No, Soldier, Soldier is yeah, that's the Kurt Russell one. But the Cyborg, Cyborg that features Jean Claude okay. Van Damme was a was a uh, a what's it script um, that was then going to be okay. spec what, script spec yeah. script sorry yeah that was yeah. being touted as a potential sequel to a number of films, uh, and Blade Runner was one of those. So yeah, I mean, I I guess I, I I've made you watch you know slow motion torture from abroad and whatever. I mean. I, I guess you can make me watch a Van Damme film. Um, I've let's, never let's seen see, a Van Damme film I've ever enjoyed. Let's see how hard to be a god goes, and then yeah. um, and then I'll make a decision for next season. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm down. I'll, I'll watch anything. I could do a double header because we could do Universal Soldier, which is both Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. So we shall see. Anyway. We're off on a tangent. So for next uh, next episode, we were doing Waterworld. But uh, for now, ladies and gentlemen, if you like what we're doing, please leave a review uh, on your podcast catcher. And don't forget, we have a Patreon and uh, how you can help keep uh, keep the lights on and keep us doing more and more stuff. Uh, we are getting into the uh, 2023 now, and we've got so much more stuff coming. And we're going to have some, uh, hopefully have some announcements coming soon for more stuff that we've got coming up. So keep mm-hmm. your ears open. We've got new episodes coming. Um, but yes, all exciting stuff. But Julian, thank you very much. This has been a great conversation. It's my honor. And you know, it's great to be able to discuss The Running Man with uh, an expert. Yes. Yeah. This is really, this is my sort of, uh, area of expertise is these r- ridiculous action films of the 80s um, but there will be and there will be more anyway ladies and gentlemen thank you very much and we shall see you on the next episode cross the
streams.